darkness and death have long been the cornerstones of humankind's greatest fears. From the recesses of our deepest terror, we conjure images which at once haunt us and tantalize us. It is here that we find the vampire, Prince of Darkness, an immortal monster that preys on the living and survives by drinking the lifeblood of innocence. An image both threatening and strangely alluring, vampires have become one of our most enduring romantic fictions. Yet perhaps more chilly, the fictional vampire is rooted in a grim reality. Shrouded in the superstitions of ages past, the vampire legend grew out of actual incidents and horrifying encounters with death and the unknown. What dark truth lay behind such widespread common experience with vampires? For there is no doubt that to the people of the 17th century, vampires were real. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Ryan and Larry. Say hello, Larry. Hello. And our special guest back for round two. Say hello, Joshua. Hello there. Cue that music. All right, so today we're going to be talking about vampires. It's late at night. Your neck is exposed. Go on. A slight like draft blows in from the east. Dracul is on loose. Um, it's he's so cool. It's in his name. Yeah, Dracul. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> he could have been a rapper, Dracul. All right, so I like to always start off this whole thing by rating our current beast or, uh cryptid on a scale from one to ten are vampires scary which ones we talking like as a whole yeah i guess as a whole i mean because there's some vampires have brought down the average a bit so i'm going with a seven seven yeah for me it would just depend on exactly what larry was saying it depends are they the glittery kind because if they are then it's like a one but if it's some of these other more dark and menacing ones, then probably more like a six or a seven. Okay, so again, the Aeropostale Twilight version of Vampires gets a negative ten, but the Nosferatu 1920s version gets a spine-tingling nine. Ten out of ten would bang. Okay. <laughs> we found out something about Josh here. How you doing? <laughs> okay. Are you undead? You like neck play? So... Um, second question that I have to get out of the way before we really delve into this, which we did some, we did some serious research on, um, what is your favorite vampire movie? Ooh. Or I guess vampire art. What? Well, vampire art. I guess that could be art being all inclusive of novels, music. I mean, I guess maybe there's a vampire rap album out there. I didn't go that far into research. (laughs) I... Uh, okay, go first. Oh, sorry, Jeff, so no, I can no, think no, this sorry. through a little bit more. Uh, for me, it's it's a this one steals a show. It's always been the Castlevania series, uh, video games, obviously, and 
specifically within that series, I've always felt a very deep connection to the game Symphony of the Night. Okay. And your main character, Alucard, is the son of Dracula, which after playing the game for years, I didn't realize Alucard back, backwards, yeah, Dracula. Yeah. Well, that was clever. Uh, I guess they were having trouble coming up with a name that day and just, just went, <laughs> fuck it. We'll just scramble the letters. Damn it. Count Chocula's already taken. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just, um, basically my, 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 my love of vampires really comes from when I first saw the movie Fright Night as a kid. Um, my dad was one of those parents. I don't know if you, if you guys can relate to this, but the R rated parent who was just like, screw it. He's going to see worse when he gets older. Dude. First movie I ever saw as a kid was Terminator. And I I, think I was six or seven. I saw full. No, I saw Platoon oh, when I was no. an early teenager. So you suffer from PTSD, I cannot, right? I cannot watch violent movies. This somehow, I just can't. Somehow you weren't, in, I was you weren't not enlisted. Prepared. I was not prepared for that. But you have a VA membership somehow. <laughs> uh, very cool. Yeah. No, uh, no, it was not. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I, I understand your plight. <laughs> my, my dad had us watch the movie Children of, of the Corn at a young age, and because of that, I could not watch the movie as an adult, and I still have a fear of cornfields. In all fairness, Children of the Corn sounds like a kid's movie. It kind of Children does. of the Corn. Right, 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 right. It, again, it's just... Uh, Platoon, nothing good's going to come of that. No. <laughs> Oh. All right, we're starting off good. There you go, folks. I, think you I just snorted clipped the audio. Of that snort. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, vampires—they're a favorite amongst Halloween goers, and they've been that way for centuries. But mm-hmm. in, when you figure out vampire history from the beginning, there are many places that vampire lore are derived from. Um, you know, the most famous being Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I—I yeah. I didn't mention it before, but um, my probably my favorite vampire movie is the Francis Ford Coppola uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. with Gary Oldman as Dracula. Did you... I feel like we skipped yours. We did. Damn it! <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Should we start over? No! No, it's okay. I mean... Alright. Is- I, I, I was just... I, I was ready to go full frontal on <laughs> whoa, the history. I want to go on. I want to go... I want to get Larry's... Shining glitter. What, what was your favorite... Larry. Piece of vampire art. Yeah. Is, what was his name? Uh, Leslie Nielsen's um, Dead and Loving Dead It. Dead and Loving It. <laughs> nice. But I'm a comedy guy, so like I'm attracted to that. That's no, a- Leslie Nielsen is a, was a, was gone too soon. I loved him. He was awesome. Um, but uh, I want to... Um, okay, so... So... Basically, Bram Stoker's Dracula was kind of a culmination of some historical real figures. Um, most often cited uh, with Vlad Tepes, who mm-hmm. from 1431 to 1476 um, is said to be the model for which Dracula was created. Um, the characterization of Vlad Tepes as a vampire, however, is distinctly Western, and in Romania, he is viewed as a blood-drinking sadist, but as not not viewed as a blood drinking sadist, but actually as a hero for um, a national hero for defending his empire from the Turks. Mm. Uh, which I think, I think the initially I I skimmed that part, but I didn't realize that. Again, history paints people differently in retrospect. Um, I think I think that that was actually something that wasn't really put into 
clarity until much, much later. Hmm. But people didn't, because, you know, I mean, a lot of these people are um, viewed, like, I've, obviously, if you ask the Turks, he wasn't a hero. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> absolutely not. So, you know, when, it, when going back in time, it's hard to decipher what um, historically. To pinpoint what is what is good, what is bad. The winners always get to write history. Exactly. Very true. Um, but also there is another characterization for vampires that comes from a happy little lady named Elizabeth Bathory. Mm. Um, once again, uh, you don't hear too much about Bathory. There is a there's a metal band called Bathory, but um, those guys obviously like their vampire lore. Anyway, um, with uh, Vlad Tepes, it seems like, once again, men get more word of mouth than ladies. Girl power. WTF. <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, Countess Elizabeth Bathory from 7 August 1560 to 21 August 1614 was a countess and serial killer. Hmm. She was from the Bathory family of nobility in the Kingdom of Hungary. She was labeled... Um, I guess in the Guinness Book of World Re- Records is the most prolific female serial killer. See, ladies, you can do it. That's true. All you have to do is believe in yourself. Mm. The precise number of victims is uh, debated, but Bathory and four collaborators were accused of torturing and killing hundreds of, hundreds of young women between 1585 and 1609. The highest number of victims cited during Bathory's trial was 650. See, that's not helping the whole ladies don't like other ladies thing right there. She only killed other ladies. She was, a, she was, she was, a, she was a little bit on a vendetta. Yeah, she wanted to be pretty forever, I guess. Um, the highest number of victims citing... Der- okay, so we did that. However, this, this number comes from the claim by a serving girl named Susanna that Jacob... I'm not even going to try to say this last name, but I'll say Smith. A lot of Z's. Uh, Countess Bathory's court official had seen the figure in one of Bathory's private books. The book was never revealed and lots of Z's never mentioned it in his testimony. Despite the evidence against Elizabeth, her family's influence kept her from facing trial. So once again, the rich get off. The book. Yeah. Oh, dear Diary. Today I killed. <laughs> today, and killed. Today, and killed. Today, and killed. Today I had enough go. blood to fill a bathtub. <laughs> I killed. Uh, unfortunately, her family's influence couldn't keep her from being imprisoned, in which she was in December 1609 in Sesti Castle. <laughs> the Zesty Castle? She, yeah, she was held in a, in a Zesty Castle. Sounds like a great Italian restaurant. In solitary Hey, welcome to the Zesty Italian restaurant. <laughs> she remained impl- imprisoned until her death five years later. So uh, five whole years for hundreds of deaths. That's a pretty good payoff. <laughs> work, work out the average. I wonder. So, you know, it says she killed a lot of people, but basically where the, the vampire thing is that the stories from 300 witnesses and survivors details her as saying she bathed in the blood of virgins to retain her youth, well, which I, is where the whole mythology comes from. It's right in her name. so metal. It's right in her name. Right. Bathory. She liked to take a bathory. Uh, she's often compared to Vlad, and um, of whom the fictional character Count Dracula is based on. So, I also um, so you've got these two figures, mm-hmm. um, and you know of relative popularity. There's also uh, Gil Derat, the French uh, leader and um, companion to Joan of Arc, who 
was said to have murdered many a town's boy by splitting open their tummies and drinking their blood. Uh, he's not so out there. What? Uh, he, he's, he's not so, I'm sorry. He is very out there, <laughs> but he's not so recognized leave. because he's one of those, one of those characters who, um, I think his crimes were so horrific. They just don't, people don't like, it's like certain serial killers that we find out more and more about. Oh in yeah. Day. When you, when you start to delve, you're like, mm, check please. BTK. Well, it's entirely yeah. possible too yeah. that the numbers just are not the same. I mean, <laughs> they say that with Vlad, the impaler, he, he did some pretty horrific things. I mean, with putting heads on spikes and whatnot to scare off the Turks. Uh, and Bathory, like you had mentioned, she had killed hundreds. So who's to say that he didn't maybe kill, I don't know, we'll say 20 little little boys. And because the numbers aren't as high, they just don't look at him as so much of a influence on the vampire lore. Much like uh, social likes on Facebook, uh, popularity for serial killers is derived from numbers. Yeah, um, it's a numbers but, game. But for but for me, it's always been the crime. Uh, the Gilles Dura character, the leader of the French army, is so scary to me because he um, he's viewed as a hero, you know. And then it's like it'd be like if say. We'll say Larry Bird retired from the Celtics, hung up his jersey, but then he decided, hey, guess what? I'm going to dress up like, you know, Hannibal Lecter and kill little girls um, and drink their blood. You're like, hmm, that Celtics thing is kind of getting washed away here, Larry. I didn't know you were such a disgusting freak. Uh, anyway, so... But man, could he hit the three? Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, so those are some some historical references for vampires and uh, characteristically kind of played into the mythos of what vampires were and what they kind of became as we got older um, or as, as our history or our world changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to what I researched, the vampires most people are familiar with, such as Dracula, are actually revenants. Now, I don't know. Did you guys see that? The Revenant movie? With I DiCaprio? Yeah. I didn't quite know what a revenant was before I did this research, but basically, um, according to what I found, uh, revenants are human corpses that are said to return from the grave to harm the living. These vampires have Slavic origins, only a few hundred years old, but other older versions of the vampire were not thought to be human at all, but instead supernatural, possibly demonic entities that did not take human form. Hmm. So a revenant is like, I guess... The earliest version of a zombie, almost in a way. I can dig that. Yeah, but it's um, it's a little different because I think a revenant. I guess it's kind of apples and oranges, but a revenant, a, a, a zombie has a wants to eat human flesh. But I think there's this drive for brains, but mm-hmm. then there's all these different versions of zombies, so everything just gets muted in gray, and everything is just eating each other. Well, it just, I mean, we don't want to go too far into the zombie thing, but it does depend, obviously, on what zombies you're talking about. Night of the Living Dead and all of them, they have different kinds of zombies, and but this is vampires, and I mean, right. I could see the comparison, though. They're 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 both undead. Yeah, I mean, at the- <laughs> eat something. None of them are good. Just run. 
Exactly. I mean, don't sit there and go, well, that's a zombie and that's a Dracula. I'm, and then I'm going to try to figure out who is And you're dead. Are you going for my neck or my penis? Right. <laughs> Can a zombie see you watch? If you're, I'd like if to you're see that, that hard up for, <laughs> right. if you're that hard to, to get laid, just uh, backpage.com. So anyway, <laughs> I was able to find that, in fact, there was a vampire uh, story before Bram Stoker's Dracula. Really? Yeah. Shut the front door. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's what I said. But uh, according to what I found online, there was a story called The Vampire, written in 1819 by John William Polidori. The work is often viewed as the progenitor of the romantic vampire genre of fantasy fiction. So it's this asshole's fault that we have Twilight today. <laughs> and all these pseudo goth love love you to death typo negative type <laughs> vampire brave goth nerds all right there i said Jeez. a little bit of venting i'm I sorry guess so anyway so the work is described by christopher frailing as the first story successfully to fuse the disparate elements of vampirism into a coherent literary genre so this was actually in a magazine like one of those kind of like penny dreadful early okay. uh early 19th century kind of short stories. Yeah. Tales from the crypt type man. Vampire illustrated. Do you guys want to hear about the plot a little bit? Yeah. yeah okay. So we, we know Dracula is, is like a diary. Um, as uh, told from multiple sources in the story, but with this, um, it's a little bit more soap opera. So there's Aubrey. She's a young English, English man who meets, uh, Lord Ruthven, a man of mysterious origins who's entered London society. Aubrey accomp- accompanies Ruthven to Rome, but leaves him after Ruthven seduces the daughter of a mutual acquaintance. Aubrey travels to Greece, where he becomes attracted to Eanth, an innkeeper's daughter. Eanth tells Aubrey about the legends of the vampire. Ruthven arrives at the scene, and shortly thereafter, Eanth is killed by a vampire. Mm. So... Aubrey does not connect Ruthven with a murder and rejoins him in his travels. The pair is attacked by bandits and Ruthven is mortally wounded. Before he dies, Ruthven makes Aubrey swear an oath that he will not mention his death or anything else he knows about Ruthven for a year and a day. Looking back on this, Aubrey realizes that everyone whom Ruthven met ended up suffering. Aubrey returns to London and is amazed when Ruthven appears shortly thereafter alive and well. Ruthven reminds Aubrey of his oath to keep his death a secret. Ruthven then begins to seduce Aubrey's sister, while Aubrey, helpless to protect his sister, has a nervous breakdown. Ruthven and Aubrey's sister are engaged to marry, and on the day the oath ends, just before he dies, Aubrey writes a letter to his sister revealing Ruthven's history, but it does not arrive in time. <gasps> Ruthven marries Aubrey's sister. No. On the wedding night, no. she is discovered dead. Oh, drained man. of her blood, and Ruthven has vanished. Dude, that make a great soap opera. All my vampires. It kind of sounds like <laughs> As the, the general flutters, vampire. The seven seasons of Dawson's Creek, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, so so you kind of get the idea that with with uh, vampire lore, there's this seduction of of innocence and just uh there's always been kind of like a sexual tension there which for me is kind of which yeah it's neck play of course it's it and that's why girls love it Mm -hmm. so uh so according to matthew bresford author of from demons to dracula the creation of the modern vampire myth 
There are clear foundations for the vampire in the ancient world, and it is impossible to prove when the first myth arose. There are suggestions that the vampire was born out of sorcery in ancient Egypt. What? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there there was a lot of magic play in Egypt, that, so they say. So, I mean, okay. it's not completely hard to get behind that. And I don't want to. I don't want to delve too much in a future topic, but I'm just picturing like vampire. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I couldn't stop that. <laughs> I'm hit. You I, suck. You blah. Oh, I got heartburn. Exactly. Heartburn. He needed a Zantac back then. Hey, man, that blood will give you an acid reflux. Yeah. Literally, the anything, cable guy told me so. If it's anything like a dirty Merlot, it's gonna it's gonna hurt your throat. <laughs> Sounds like a move. The so, dirty Merlot. <laughs> I'm just I'm just picturing these vampires like floating around or like seducing Egyptian princesses while, mm-hmm. while meanwhile alien UFOs are like dropping the stones into place. And I'm thinking, I think I was time. born in the wrong year. What a time to be alive. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so the suggestions that the vampire was born out of sorcery in ancient Egypt as a demon summoned into this world from some other. Uh, there are many variations of vampires from around the world. There are Asian vampires, such as the Chinese Chongxi, evil spirits that attack people and drain their life energy, which sounds exactly the same. Why are Asians trying to take credit for vampires? I want to suck your blood. <laughs> Might need to work on that, buddy. Uh, the blood-drinking wrathful deities that appear in the Tibetan Book of the Dead and many more. So there's a, there's a lot. Okay, peanut gallery. I'm giving you your history lesson here. This is what, now you know why I failed, like, all through high school. This was me in the back of class with another guy. All right. So, um, before we continue on going a little, little into, um, the different kind of ways you can spot a vampire. Have you guys ever met one or thought that you did? I had an interview with one once. <laughs> I, I, her name was Courtney Love. She sucked your soul three years. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Larry, did you, I ever, have not, do never, you think you've ever not, met a vampire? Not that I am aware of. No. No. That doesn't even sound... I mean, I feel like if you did, your neck would kind of tingle a little bit. Just in remembrance. Your, what about your dick? Because, I mean, a boner is just all blood. You think he would just get a big <laughs> erection and just be like, excuse me, I, I, I have to leave. Like how those some serial killers get like a sexual pleasure out of killing? They think maybe the vampires are getting a, a pleasure out of... Love. Well, no, I don't think the vampires get a boner. I don't even really know if like the vampires... If if uh, if they can get wood, unless they're sucking blood, that's what I'm wondering. Because they're taking your blood and it's going down there, or maybe it's going into their tummies because they're hungry. I just I imagine that in the in in the, well, I mean, like I said, I, I watched Fright Night, and a lot of that is is that whole seduction thing. But it's just fun because it's a great '80s horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the remake's not so bad. Side note. Okay. Um, I just I'm I'm curious though if 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 there really was a vampire, would you just automatically get a massive blood erection and just like almost faint, kind of like you masturbated too much that day and you're just like your your brain hurts. You mean just from seeing a vampire, or being seduced? Because you know how seduced in the in the in the in most movies it's a, it's a male seducing a female, right? 
but I'm wondering if like a female seduces a male, does he just get a massive boner and he can't move? Well, mm-hmm. it, didn't they say like the aura of a vampire is enough to seduce, but then like the way they talk, the way they move. And so, I mean, I would, maybe that's <laughs> going off that thought of a female vampire going to a guy. I feel like he, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if that's what the V in Viagra stands for. Vampire. If your erection lasts up more than four Vampire hours. blood. If I so was solid snake, there'd be an explanation point above my head right now. <laughs> um, also, I want to say worst vampire are true blood. So, okay. How to Throwing find that out there. How to find a vampire. Drive by insulting. Sorry. Jeez. Sorry, guys. How to find a vampire. While most people can name several elements of vampire lore, there are no firmly established characteristics. Some vampires are said to be able to turn into bats or wolves. Others can't. Some are said to cast a reflection, but others do. Holy water and sunlight are said to repel or kill some vampires, mm-hmm. but not others. This kind of goes into that whole thing of like there being like 150 million variations. It's kind of right. like... That's why they could get away with it in Twilight. You know, and also, it's also kind of like a continuation of that little kid thing, like, tag, you're it. No, you didn't touch me. Mm -hmm. We're playing another game where you tag me and you're the one that's actually it. (laughs) People people break and make rules on, on a whim. So anyway, the one universal characteristic is the draining of vital bodily fluid, typically blood. Did that this morning. That's right. One of the reasons that vampires make such successful literary figures is that they have a rich and varied history and folklore. Writers can play with the rules while adding some subtracting or changing them to fit whatever story they have in yep. mind. Finding a vampire is not always easy. According to one Romanian legend, you'll need a seven-year-old boy and a white horse. The boy should be dressed in white, placed upon the horse, and the pair set loose in a graveyard at <laughs> midday. That's how, uh, Whoa. that's how the priests get the uh, altar boys. So my son will be seven in a month. Oh. Well, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Conspiracy therapy field trip. Get those equestrian equestrian training going right now. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, I'm actually kind of racist to white horses. So I probably are just going to sit in the car and They're watch you guys. Euro-American horses. <laughs> Be proper here, people. Sorry. So, uh, continuing with Cracker this uh, seven-year-old boy and a white horse, uh, you have to watch the horse wander at midday around, and whichever grave is nearest the horse, when it finally stops, is a vampire's grave. Oh. Or it might just have something edible nearby. Take your pick. <laughs> All right, so let's go to a clip. Let's actually see and 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 listen. Uh, actually, audio people, you'll be listening to a real modern-day vampire. What? Four years ago, Don Henry was an electronics engineer. Whether or not I like it or not, but I do. I have uh, become, I guess you'd say, the face or sort of a role model for my community. Don is now the modest figurehead of America's flourishing vampire culture, now spread over nearly 80 cities. But don't worry, they may call themselves vampires, but they're definitely not Count Dracula. I don't turn to mist. I don't turn into bats. I'm not afraid of crosses. And I have normal needs like everyone else. However, some of them claim that they do drink blood from consenting victims. Do you drink blood? Yes, I do. What happens to you when you take it from somebody? I feel invigorated. And how do they feel? Drained. (laughs) Blood drinking carries health risks. So most 21st century vampires have found another way to suck our blood. Some people actually do it emotionally. I'll harvest that energy and actually take it upon myself 
and then finally it projected outward. But according to Catherine, the vampires to be really afraid of don't dress like Nosferatu. But I do know from being a, a psychologist that there is such a thing as a psychological vampire that somehow manages to take all your resources. It could be financial, it could be emotional. They use your trust, they get in close, they, they suck you dry, just like a vampire. Just like my ex-girlfriend. Right, 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 right. I think So let me get this straight. Okay, they yeah. don't turn into mists, they don't turn into bats, they don't really suck blood because of health hazards. So how are they vampires? They're goth. Yeah. They like yeah. cradle of filth and I like how he's like he modestly. <laughs> I guess for me I become the figurehead. This is what happens when you mix old cure albums and gas huffing. <laughs> how do we stop vampires from hurting us realistically though? Is it loud Barbara Streisand music, garlic, werewolf's bane, and sour blood that's gone bad? I don't know. White paint. According to LiveScience.com, the best way to deal with vampires, of course, is to prevent them from coming back in the first place. Hey, preventative maintenance. Yeah. Wear a vampire condom. A few centuries ago in Europe, this was often accomplished by stalking suspected vampires in their graves. The idea was to physically pin the vampire to earth and the chest was chosen because it's the trunk of the body. This tradition was later reflected in popular fiction depicting wooden stakes as dispatching vampires. Wooden stakes? Yes. Oh, I was cooking ribeyes for them. You see, that's why you're... you're Larry, ah, see, see, but what I did Larry the Lovely, as we know in this, in this courtship. Well this done, town. though. No blood. I know what I'm doing. It's <laughs> myoglobin. Exactly. There was no particular significance to using wood, according to folklore, vampires or jinn, like genies, and many other magical creatures fear iron, so an iron bar would be even more effective than a wooden stake. So actually, iron? I guess? There's iron and stake, too. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> know what I'm doing. See, making and breaking and taking and changing the rules, it all, it all <laughs> counts. There's more true-life sinister way as we Americans stop vampires in the past, and it's part of the New England vampire panic of the 19th century. But before we get into that, let's talk about tuberculosis, shall we? Kids, don't get it. Do you guys know anything about tuberculosis? <laughs> no, I don't. You don't? You need to fill me in. All right, well, let me fill that, do- that beautiful bald head with some knowledge. Fill me with your knowledge. Tuberculosis is an infectious disease caused by the bacterium Mycobacterium tuberculosis, MTB. Tuberculosis generally affects the lungs, but can also affect other parts of the body. Most infections do not have symptoms known as latent tuberculosis. About 10% of latent infections progress to active disease, which, if left untreated, kills about half of those infected. The classic symptoms of active TB are chronic cough with blood-containing sputnum, (laughs) fever, night sweats, and weight loss. The historical term consumption, which I think I brought up earlier or maybe have in previous conversations, is, is, is kind of the term that they use to describe tuberculosis. My dad has got the consumption. He's got the consumption. Actually, if you were watching the show Penny Dreadful in the first season, there's a girl that has consumption. Uh, The historical term consumption came about due to the weight loss. Infection of other organs can cause a wide range of symptoms. Tuberculosis is spread through the air when people who have active TB in their lungs cough, spit, speak, or sneeze. People with latent TB do not spread the disease. Active infection occurs more often in people with HIV slash AIDS and in those who smoke. So I think I brought up that it was a drinking 
thing, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's actually more so with people who smoke. Sounds like a drinking, like you're consuming alcohol, but it's actually consuming your body. Right. That's and a lot of consumption. the people who were uh, self-prescribed or prescribed alcoholics in the time thought that was what was causing mm. Um Diagnosis of active TB is based on chest x-rays as well as microscopic examination and culture of body fluids. Uh, prevention of TB involves screening those at high risk, early detection and treatment of cases and vaccination with the Bacillus Salment Guerin vaccine, which is the vaccine that they use for it. Those at high risk include household, workplace, and social contacts of people with active TB. Treatment requires the use of multiple antibiotics, yada, yada, yada. So you get the point. It's a, uh-huh. it's a scary disease, and there's some more statistics. I guess uh, in 2014, there were 9.6 million cases of active TB, which resulted in 1.5 million deaths. Wow. This isn't fun. We should go back talking to st- about stakes. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> so more than 95% of deaths occurred in developing countries. The number of new cases each year has decreased since 2000. So. Okay. About 80% of people in many Asian and African countries test positive, while 5 to 10% of people in the United States population test positive by the tuberculin test. How does this relate to vampires? I don't know. I was hoping you knew. I don't. Host guy. Podcast over. (laughs) No, I do. Uh, According to vampires.com, hundreds of years ago, before there were... I know, there is a vampires.com. Hey, I said I went into the dark recesses here. I bet they have a Facebook page. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. It's one of the better websites I visited. Visit us on Twitter. (laughs) Exactly. Hundreds of years ago, before there were scientific explanations for everyday occurrences like diseases, people would explain them with superstitions and magic. If you sneezed, it was because you were possessed. If you were too hairy, it was because you were a werewolf. Larry, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I was about to say. If your young children were naughty, it was because of the fairies. So we got a lot of fairies in my house. Oops. <laughs> Nowadays, we have completely logical explanations for these things. Keeping this in mind, you can understand why countless historians and doctors have tried to explain the birth of the vampire myth. Tuberculosis... A common and usual deadly infectious disease is yet another sickness that may have something to do with vampirism. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, I think it does. There's also an excellent, excellent, I want to say this before I forget, dollop episode about this. The dollop, great podcast. You see, when one family member died from tuberculosis, the other members of the household that were infected would slowly lose their health as well. People believe this was caused by the first victim draining the life from the remaining family members. So, I don't know if you guys remember, but in the beginning of the episode, we played a clip and mm-hmm. the narrator of that, that, uh, that particular clip mentioned that there was a dark history to vamp vampirism. And I think this is personally where this stems from pretty dark. Um, additionally, people who had tuberculosis often exhibited symptoms similar to what people considered to be vampire, vampire like traits. Some tuberculosis symptoms included, Red swollen eyes, which made them sensitive to bright light, pale skin, very low body heat, a weak heartbeat, and coughing up blood. As you can see, that would give any uneducated person in the Middle Ages reason to believe the victim was really a vampire. If you add in the fact that some of some may have believed that drinking blood was the only way to replenish the blood they coughed up, well, then you definitely have all the components for a good vampire legend. So, basically, another side thing is that when you die, your fingernails get long your stomach swells, and your hair gets long. Uh So when you dig up these bodies and they've had tuberculosis, they have blood coming out of their mouth, and all of a sudden they've got more blood coming out of their mouth, and they're dead, 
you're uneducated. You believe that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have phrased that differently. That did not sound good. That didn't sound good. <laughs> Anybody bad. who has a religious belief, I, uh, uh, I the thing is, you're in a time when when people don't fully understand what's going on. Medical science is poor. Um, we don't at the time have any vaccinations that are working, mm-hmm. and if your foot doesn't work, you cut it off. So. In short, the New England vampire panic was the reaction to an outbreak of tuberculosis in the the 19th century throughout Rhode Island, eastern Connecticut, and other parts of New England. Consumption was thought to be caused by the deceased consuming the life of their surviving relatives. Bodies were exhumed and internal organs ritually burned to stop the vampire. So these people dug up mama and grandpa, pulled out their organs, and set them aflame. Wow. Yeah. Um, to save them. They're ritually <laughs> burned. So what's worse is that some cases show that they ate the ashes. <laughs> you just ate TB. Right. Dummies. So uh, there's a really notable case that I, I recommend anybody look into, the Mercy Brown case in Rhode Island. And that's really what the dollop episodes kind of focus on. What's for lunch, Mama? TB and Jay? <laughs> That was right there, and I never thought of it. Oh, Lord. Okay, so notable cases provoked national attention and comments, such as those of Mercy Brown in Rhode Island and Frederick Ransom in Vermont. But from what we know about the disease currently, this was obviously a terrible idea and led to many a death and the spread of tuberculosis throughout history, which is often much more disturbing than reality. History is always much more disturbing than reality. So... With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we have actually reached our climax of the episode. Do we think vampires are real? Josh. No. Larry. No. Ryan says no. That's a a verdict right there for... Kind of bummed. I want to count Von Count to be real. Well... Count Chocula, maybe. The guy that had his hand up his ass... I want to test out the theory about a female vampire getting an insta boner. Maybe in the next time, because I'm going to tell you what, this is definitely part one. We've got more stuff out there. There was so much stuff that I found um, that I could, we could very easily see ourselves doing another episode cool. of this. Obviously, vampires are not real. The only thing that is real are mosquitoes, vampire bats, and other probably fish under the sea. Leeches. Leeches, yeah. Uh, I got one. Who would win in a fight? A vampire or a werewolf? Werewolf. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's, it's half animal. Yeah. Or maybe it's three. I don't know. I don't know the lineage of each individual werewolf. Maybe he's only a quarter werewolf on his mother's side. Yeah. I mean, I guess... So he's just hairy. Yeah. Essentially. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. You are... It might be a quarter werewolf on Even my mother's freshly side. Save, shaven, Larry, you're still the hairiest <laughs> fellow in this room. I know. I shaved my head this morning. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for our episode, guys. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to talk about, uh, mention offhand before we end? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, ephispodcast.com. Uh, what do you got for Twitter? For Twitter, we got uh, Larry underscore Ga underscore Ga at Twitter. I'm at Ryan Herrig. I'm not sure what my Twitter is, but I don't go on there anyways. Okay. Who cares? Well, that's been Vampires, ladies and gentlemen. Cue that outro music, Larry. I am a vampire, I am a vampire, I am a vampire, I am a vampire, I am a vampire.